listening to the show that is the cryptid zone my name is jeremy hughes and i'm lois stone and i'm part of the cryptid zone it's true both of us are yep part of this show what you're listening to welcome hello <laughs> oh, i went a little my voice broke a little there yeah but it's because i'm so excited yes yeah, to be part of this amazing show which we're doing right now we are <laughs> yeah and I realized uh, after we recorded our last episode that in the excitement of getting to record real life in person, we never actually told people at the end what the next episode, which is this one, would be about. Well, if we know one thing from exploring all of these amazing cryptids is that a sense of mystery and suspense is sometimes very valuable uh, and beautiful, and we should all seek to have more of it in our lives. So I, for one, regret nothing. Okay. Yeah, I just, uh, I'm glad that people decided to listen, even though, I mean, the mystery has been presumably ruined by the fact that they have seen the name of the episode. I mean, we don't have to put this in the, we don't have to put it in the name of the episode. In fact, <laughs> in fact, if we want to keep the mystery going, we can do this whole podcast without speaking the name of the cryptid. <laughs> I mean, okay, I will say it is a French cryptid, and so all of the names involved are French, so if we never want to say it, that's fine with me. The, the thing is, the fact that you've said it's a French cryptid, I think narrows it down to probably only a few candidates. Yeah, yeah they can guess. You've basically, you've, you've given it away already. Yeah. We may as well say. Do you want to say? Uh, no. Okay. <laughs> shall, shall I say? <laughs> yes. Okay, uh, we're doing The Beast of Gévaudan. Yes, we are. And that's how you say it, and I knew that this whole time. And I was <laughs> not doing a bit. Can you can you please tell me how you would have said it if you uh, well, hadn't heard I, me say it first? Kind of, I guess. I would have gone for like the the harder G, uh -huh. like, a, like a Govadon. Okay, all right. But then I watched a YouTube video, I will admit, earlier today, mm -hmm. and the man said Jovadon. But also he was like very American and I didn't really trust him. Okay, fair enough. I mean, to be fair, I'm taking my pronunciation from another YouTube video. Uh, although to be fair, it's not a it's not a YouTube video. It's a it's a um, Discovery Channel show that was on YouTube. Okay, so I feel like that's got a little bit more credibility than just like a YouTube right, right, right. video. Yeah, there's like a, a base level of professionalism there, and by base level, I do mean base level. <laughs> like the lowest the bar could be. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Mm -hmm. They they dropped the bar onto the ground and were like, "Nah, that's good. That's fine. It'll do. <laughs> good enough." Yeah. Um, I should say that this cryptid was requested by Harry Osborne and Reggie Naus, who I think requested it individually. Okay. They both requested the same one. There we go. If memory serves. Hmm. Yes. And I was very excited to do this until I did, again, realize that it takes place in France and that I feel like the French language was created to make me specifically look like a fool. I mean, I'm fine uh, with that. <laughs> Uh, it's really going to be a, like a break from the norm here. Like we're we're not going to be our usual dignified selves. We're <laughs> like unlike usual, we might end up embarrassing ourselves. 
Yep. Uh, uh-huh. The curtain will finally be pulled back. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, I mean, I started taking notes for this, and it was like, ah, yes, this was in the former province of the Jovodan, and then now in the department, and then I wrote down the name of the place, and I just went, this is going to be a nightmare. It's going to be a full hour of nightmare. Mm-hmm. That's fine. Full hour <laughs> so, of nightmare. Sign me up. <laughs> Uh, that should be our our new uh, podcast tagline. Just mm-hmm. Cryptid Zone full hour of nightmare. Yep. There it is. Um, yeah. So I will say that I'm going to do my best, but uh, please like lower your expectations for my abilities with the French language. Yeah. If if you if you're here and you have expectations, you should not be here. <laughs> I mean, I expect to have a a nice time, but other than that, no. Yeah. Get out. That's it. Yeah. That, that's, yeah. All, that's all you get. Yeah. How are you doing, Lois? Uh, yeah, I'm doing okay. They're knocking down the vampire hospital. So that's, like, been a big part of my life recently. Ah, uh, tragic. Yeah. And then some people finally lived into the, the rich people houses next door. Mm-hmm. Uh, but so far they have only really loudly watched sports, which is kind of a bummer. Yeah. I was hoping for them to be doing something salacious because they moved into really expensive houses. Well, they probably are. Just maybe they have like a, a I don't know, secret space. Or they're like lulling me into a false sense of security. Yeah. It's like you think they're just watching sports, but at night they're doing rituals in the back garden and they probably have some kind of basement situation going on. So they, I mean, not to be creepy, but I know they don't because I did watch them build these houses. <laughs> <laughs> You're just rear-windowing this shit. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's not a lot else to do. Uh, uh-huh. You've been in my flat. That's true, I have. It's very nice. Yep, I've got one view out the windows, and it is those houses. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's what's like going on with me. Mm-hmm. You know, I've just been like getting to know the neighborhood cats and... Uh, yeah, that's it. That's really, you know, that's, that's what's happening. Nice. Yeah. How are you? What's going on? Not a lot. Mm. We got a Switch, so playing Zelda, that's it. Nice. Are you playing the Goose game? No, not playing the Goose game. I want to play the Goose game, but I can't really justify buying the Goose game when I have an entire Zelda to play. No, that's fair. I'm I'm not buffeted around by the winds of popularity. I'll play the game when I'm ready. <laughs> I, yeah, stand true to what you believe in. Uh, that's all. That's all I know. <laughs> Yeah. Can't live nothing but my truth. Yep. Yeah, that's why we all admire you so much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> How's the Zelda? It's good. Mm, that's good. It's nice. Just just kind of running around, cooking up a little meal. Do you have a horse in this one? I do have a horse. Nice. Well, you can catch and tame horses, so there's not just the one horse. There's you Like know, in Barbie. Yes. Potentially many horses, yes. just like Barbie. <laughs> So um, I, I have a blue horse. Amazing. The horse's name is Celeste. Did you name it? Yeah. Amazing. And uh, and yeah, we're just having a, a nice chill time, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm really happy for you and Celeste. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> um, should we talk about this beast? Yes. The beast. Talk about the beast. The beast. Oh. That was... ASMR beast. Yeah. Right, so... I would like you to know that I read an actual history book for this episode, right? Nice. Okay, you know, great. I say like an actual, but this is a complete departure from every other book I have read mm-hmm. for this podcast, which is at this point many. 
because usually we pull from the um, the genre of self-published books on Amazon. I mean, right? it's, a, it's a great genre. It's a great genre. Mad respect. I did buy a book that was more that genre, but I have been ordering my books off of non-Amazon websites, uh-huh. and so the ordering took a bit longer, so I didn't have a chance to read that one. But that's okay, because this one arrived, right? The Monsters of the Jovedon, The Making of a Beast by J.M. Smith who is an actual historian. Wow. And when I say, and this was published by like an actual credible like printing press. This is like a Harvard University Press history book. Wow. Right? That's amazing. Yeah. This is we're into actual history here, folks. Hell yeah. Yeah, this is insanity. Yeah, so I've got like actual history things that I read and I was like, I've been reading about cryptids to take a break from writing history books. I've played myself. Yeah, you fool. Should have stuck with the self-published. Yeah, I mean, bonus though, actual history books have like 100 pages of like notes in the back. So when you're bored of reading it, the book's over. Great. Because <laughs> most books you're like, oh my gosh, there's another 100 page. No, no, there's not. It's just notes and I'm not going to read those, so it's fine. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. You want to tell us about the Beast of Jovedon then? Okay, so the Beast, uh, who in a YouTube documentary that I watched, the person narrating it chickened out of calling it the Beast of Jovedon and calls it the Beast of G, which I thought was a cop-out. Mm-hmm. I think just call it the Beast. Like, you know, don't even acknowledge that you're copping out. It's just the Beast. Right. Uh, yeah, so the Beast was something or some things. <sighs> Gasp. In mid-18th century uh, southern France, yeah, mm-hmm. uh, in the area of Jovedon, which is now the department of, I want to say, Lazare? That sounds right. Yeah? You're nodding at me like I'm right. Or might be right. <laughs> I'm, I'm just letting you do your thing. I- I mean, it's a face that definitely lets you, me know that you think that I'm charming, and that's all I really need. Right. So, anyway, it terrorized a huge area, uh, and the number of victims is many. Like, some places were like, there were over 200 attacks, and some places are like, there were 60 attacks, and some places are like, another mystery number. Yeah, somewhere um, between 60 and 300, I think, was... Was the, was the range. Which is a really narrow, specific-like mm-hmm. range. My, I think I think to an extent, I, I think because it's the mid-18th century and people are just getting killed by animals, like, in general. Yeah. I think a lot of that spread is, like, how broad and, like, how inclusive are you in lumping things in as beast attacks? Yeah, no, I, I think, yeah, definitely. Uh, and also, like, there are just wolves hanging out in this period doing, mm-hmm. doing stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, but anyway, uh, the beast like obviously killed loads of people, usually women and children, and also was notable uh, for like going for people's throats, yeah. which was unusual for most wolf attacks. Mm-hmm. So this happened between 1764, 1767, and we'll get into it a bit, obviously. But it was a huge, huge deal. The king got involved. It swept France. It swept the people who read French newspapers. It's a big deal. Huge deal. Yep. Um, a lot of publicity. A lot of publicity. Allegedly killed a couple times, but it, uh, it's usually Jean Jean Chastel. Yeah. Yep. Uh, or Chastel, with, I think. 
Shastel, who's credited with finally killing it with a silver bullet that he made himself out of a silver coin depicting the Virgin Mary. Yep. And it's believed that this is where the uh, myth about werewolves only being killed by silver bullets comes from. Mm -hmm. So, do you want to explain what the beast allegedly looked like? If there was a beast. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. I've seen a few uh, a few different descriptions around, but I'm going to go for the one from my cryptozoology A to Z textbook. Um, the beast is in the textbook? Hell yeah. Oh my gosh. What a guy. Yeah, Lauren Coleman. He's a very thorough researcher. Oh, we've seen Lauren. Our pal Lauren's cropped up before. Yeah, Lauren's all over the place. This is Yeah, we're big fans of this guy. This is my A to Z nice. by Lauren Coleman and Jerome Clark. Nice. Yeah. The Beast. I, I can't really speak about Jerome Clark. I don't feel like I know him very well, but yeah. I feel like Lauren Coleman's a, a, a pal of ours. Yeah. Lauren, we go way back. Yeah. Okay. So this book describes the, the Beast as like taller than a wolf mm-hmm. and with talons on its feet. Interestingly, the hair, the fur is described as being like a red hue. Fashion forward. Mm-hmm. We love a fashion forward beast. A big head with a, like the muzzle of a greyhound, small straight ears. Uh, like broad shoulders. I don't know if dogs have shoulders, but there you go. And then black streaks on the back. Um, and then uh, obviously sharp teeth in the mouth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, also often it has this thing about the like having a skinny tail. Ah, I haven't seen anything about the skinny tail. Yeah, there's a, a bunch of stuff saying it's because obviously wolves have big fluff tails. Mm-hmm. And there are a bunch of descriptions of the beast where it says, that's a skinny tail. Interesting. First attack, 1764, attacks uh, Marie-Jean Valet. Var, var. Flawless. Yep, thanks. But she was tending her creatures and some bulls chased it off. Yeah. Nice one, bulls. Good job. But then the beast did kill uh, Jean Relay. You would think that for a language that I know I'm going to have trouble with, I would write more neatly. (laughs) (laughs) You're doing great. I support you. Thanks. Yep. Uh, Yeah, so a bunch of this stuff was like, oh, it's weird because it preyed mostly on lone men and women and children who were tending their livestock. So I'm like, did the beast actually like consider the human as part of the herd and go... That is the weakest part. Ooh. You know, did it like look at a bunch of cows and are like, that's the calf that's about to die. Uh, but it's like a human. Yeah, really makes you think. <laughs> so the so the, the first kind of sighting happened in June yep. and then the killing started in July. And then the killing started. And then some people thought it was a bunch of creatures. Yep. Uh, wolves, obviously. I mean, I feel like... Front runner. Yep, a bunch of wolves. I mean, I feel like we're going to jump forward and backward in time here, but that's just, you know, you know what you signed up for when you started listening to this podcast. Uh-huh. One of the really notable uh, attacks was 1765 when there was a young boy called... Uh, his last name was Port- Portafa. Mm-hmm. A, there's an X involved. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, he was like... 12 and he managed to save one of his friends who had been attacked by the beast and so then the king was like hey dope I will well gave him 300 livres is that how you say the money? Sure. Yep and then 350 to share among his friends and then also paid for Portafa to be educated and then 
in my book, I have what happened to him. Okay. Because we all want to know what happened to the boy who was supposed to be educated by the king, which is that he did get sent off to be educated and he had to learn like math and stuff and he was really good. And then he got a new name because they're like, oh, we can't let anybody know that you're poor. Of course. So he became Portefeuille de Villeray, okay. which was the village mm-hmm. where he had done this noble thing. And then he went to the King's Artillery School and he was really good and he rose all the way to the rank of lieutenant, but then he died prematurely in 1785. Ah, bummer. Well, yeah, but you know, that's what happened to him. Yeah, that's what happens when you sell out and become a rich person. Yeah, also, I mean, like, this period is right before the French Revolution. So yeah. Like, Probably not a good time to have been like, oh, I'm not poor anymore. Mm-hmm. I'm actually a rich person. And then like literally around the corner, everyone's like, oh, we hate rich people actually. Guillotine time. <laughs> yeah. uh, just one sec. Can I, A, plug in my laptop because it is low on battery and yeah. B, ask Kitty to turn the switch down? Yes. Hi, Kitty. Oh, she can't hear you. She's in the other room. Well, please tell her that I, I can hear- and the people of the Cryptid Zone wish her a pleasant day. I will. I will pass it on. <laughs> There's a lot of bloops coming through. All right. In the meantime, uh, I'd like to take this moment to say hello to our editor, Ben. Ben is uh, great and is editing this podcast. Anyone who listened to the last episode would know this when Ben began editing the podcast. So, hey, Ben, and uh, thanks for all the work that you do from me and the gang. Yep. That's that's it. That's all I've got to say. Um, Jeremy's still gone. Uh, I feel like I should tell you guys some secrets. Uh, I don't. I don't really have any. Uh, Jeremy's. When, oh, I will tell you. Jeremy left a block of really fancy chocolate in my flat when he came to stay. Um, what was it? A couple months ago, and I only just finished it last night. I was being very. St- have good restraint because it was, you know, it's like lint chocolate bar. I was like, whoa, pushing the boat out here, buddy. Uh, but it was kind of him for to leave me the the leftover chocolate. Uh, yeah, that's it. I hope I hope Jeremy comes back soon because I miss him. Maybe he'll bring Robin the cat. That'd be great. Oh, there he is. What a f- great face. Hello. I was just telling the gang secrets about you. Fair enough. You don't know any of my secrets. <laughs> I mean, we've already established that I'm like rear-windowing the neighbors. Who knows what I know about you? Uh, uh, that's fair, but also it's hard, harder to rear-window... Rear, rear <laughs> it's harder to rear-window someone when they're like 4,000 miles away. That's what you think. You think I don't know anyone else in that city? Do you know anyone else in this city? Yeah, I do. Fair enough. <laughs> Yes. Anyway, welcome back. We missed you. Thanks. I have returned. Um, let's talk about this animal some more. Yes. Yeah. So, okay, so we have the animal. We've set the scene. We talked about what happened to that guy who died prematurely. but And also, we did touch on something that's really interesting about this period, right? So we're in, we're in the 1760s. Yeah, shit's about to pop off. Beast. right? Yeah, but also shit has just sort of finished popping off, right? True, yeah. France has just lost the Seven Years' War, and they are feeling real bad mm-hmm. as a country. Yep. Because they're like, oh, maybe we suck. 
Uh-huh. Right? But then what's about to happen is that Francis to go, no, the rich people suck. Yeah. So they're literally on the brink of revolution, which is cool. Great. Good job. Wonder what that feels like. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the beast is coming at this time where the country needs something to focus on that isn't the war. Yep. And how much money they lost and how many people died. Uh-huh. Uh, also, I did see one theory. I think it was from this Jay Smith book, but I may have uh, hallucinated that it was from the book and read it somewhere else. Mm-hmm. But uh, there is a theory that the beast was wolves and that they were uh, like – Eating humans because they had grown accustomed to eating the corpses from the Seven Years' War. Interesting. And were like, humans taste great, actually, and we should keep eating them. Fair enough. I also, so I had one of the biggest pieces of evidence disputing uh, wolves as a candidate mm-hmm. was the size of the wolf mouth is too small oh. to inflict the kind of wounds that you see from the bodies. They were like, nah, can't be wolves. Well, whatever killed these people has a big-ass mouth, and the wolf just has a wolf mouth, which isn't isn't big enough, in it? No, that's true, that's true. Yeah, there you go. Also, there's the whole thing about the claws, where there's way more claw marks. Right. Because wolves don't attack with their claws, and loads of these people were super-duper mauled by claws. Yeah. Uh, So belief that it was something else, something sinister, a werewolf, perhaps? Something spooky. Yeah, that's probably the answer. Yeah. So also, I looked up how much money Portafal was given by the king before he got sent off to go be a rich person. Mm-hmm. And from best I could tell, it would be about 4,000 pounds in today's money. That's not that much. No. This is cobbled together from several different websites that do different... Right, you got to account for inflation and currency, right, and all that. Yeah, well, so I did. I did look up what it, that would have been in English money of the time, and then tried to look up what that much money of the time would be in money now. So, but I might be wrong, and if you know better, let us know kindly. Would it also would it have been king, pounds and shillings back then? Yes, I guess. Would. I guess right. I guess if you are accounting for inflation, then the change in the currency should be accounted for in that, right? Yes, cool. I assume I'm putting a lot of trust into these online currency converters. Okay, no, that's uh, good. <laughs> but putting our trust into dubious self-made websites is part of the Cryptid Zone brand. Yeah, that's our guarantee. Yep. Se- the seal of approval. <laughs> Catch our next episodes where we'll be covering the seal of approval. <laughs> I would like to meet that seal. Me too. Uh, right, so, yes. Uh, so the king, Louis XV, he gets involved. He sends some professional hunters. Yeah, he's like, ah. Yeah, this guy who has too many names. Too many. Every rich person has too many names. His name is Jean-Charles-Marc-Antony Valmeslay Danval. That's, that's too many. That's too many. It's like six names. Yeah. And then his son is called Jean-Francois. That's an acceptable number of names. Yeah, that's fair. That's like normal name. It's like it's not enough to be rich in money. I also have to be a name millionaire. Yeah, you're hoarding the names. That's... Let the poor people have names. Yeah. So these hunters were like, hey, let's use stealth tactics. Ooh. Right? 
But there's already military in the area, and the military, like, no, we would like to use military tactics. Mm-hmm. So you can see that this is a setup for a comedy of errors. <laughs> also, these guys are massive pricks, and nobody, none of the locals like them. Fair. Yes, resulting in one particular uh, hunt, I think it was with these guys, where they, well, they had, someone was like, oh, it's the beast, and they were like, oh, no, we'll go hunt for him tomorrow. So everyone, that, obviously, that pissed everyone off. But then they did like organize a big hunt, mm. and then had like told the the next boundary, like parish or whatever of the parry that they were looking at, like, hey, you guys also have a hunt, so if the beast escapes our area, you can get it. Right. And then so they see the beast, they chase him. The beast goes over river into the next parish, but it turns out that all the people there were like, fuck those guys, mm-hmm. and they just didn't show up. Oh, that's just rude. It is. It is rude. Um, But then those hunters. So that doesn't work out. So then the king sends his lieutenant of the hunt, whose name is Francois Antony. Uh, Yeah. Again, that's a that's a name. Yeah. Um, So he goes in June, and in September he kills a massive gray wolf, and he's like, "Yo, it's the beast." What up? Mm-hmm. So they get it stuffed. They send it to back to Versailles. Now, one of the things our friends, Jay Smith, I'm going to assume Dr. Jay Smith because he does have a book published by Harvard University Press, so I'm just going to call him Dr. Smith, but I make no promises. Mm-hmm. He points out that, like, taxidermy wasn't really a thing yet. Okay. Because right? I read these other websites and it was talking about how, like, the beast's carcass was pretty much destroyed by the time it got to Versailles. So, like... Who can argue about whether or not it's the beast, you know? Wait, so so if taxidermy hadn't been, like, developed yet, then what did they, how, what? They, like, did their best. Oh, okay. You know? But, like, did they, like, Frankenstein it? I, I don't know, but the point is that they couldn't preserve the body. Because when I first was reading stuff and they were like, oh, yeah, and then they, like, killed this thing and they're like, oh, this is the beast, and they sent it to Versailles. But by the time they got there, it was so degraded that there was no way for the people actually at Versailles to, like, confirm whether or not it was the beast. Yeah. They were just like, wow, this is a super grossed, rotted corpse. Uh-huh. And then they just buried it in the garden. Yeah. And I was like, that's a very sneaky way to pretend that you've succeeded. Mm-hmm. Um, but it turns out that they were actually doing their best and I was being mean to people in history once again. <laughs> <laughs> what if you got against people who are dead? <laughs> They're not here to fight me. <laughs> oh, you coward. <laughs> Insult someone who's alive for once. Is that a challenge? Yeah. I, I mean, I feel like I've already threatened you enough today. Oh, no, that's fine. You can do it as much as you want. Nope. Um, I'm very yes. secure. So... <laughs> In your palace. Mm-hmm. Your cat knows me. She'd let me in. She doesn't have thumbs. <laughs> yeah, but she wouldn't, like, attack me if I came in. She'd be like, oh, hey. I don't know. She's been thumb. pretty feisty the last 24 hours. Says she misses me. Yesterday, yesterday she ran up and punched Kitty in the face. <laughs> it was great. She drew blood. <laughs> oh, no. No, it was fantastic. Wait, like with her, did she draw the blood with her claws or just the sheer first of punching her? I think a little of both. <laughs> no. It was very funny. Oh, Robin. No, it was great. She did She did a good job. <laughs> oh. She, think, she knew we were going to be talking about the beast today uh-huh. who attacks women in the face with their claws. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, she's channeling the beast. Yep. Uh, yes. Uh, okay, anyway, yes. So, Fran- Francois Antony sends the, the corpse back to Versailles. However, he sends the rotting corpse back with his son. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he stays because he believed that the that the beast uh, was not working alone, but in fact had a wife and two cubs and stayed behind to kill them. Hmm. That's kind of fucked up. Yeah. And he did actually kill a lady wolf and a cub. Ah. Um, and I was like, first of all, a lot of assumptions about the beast being married – Mm-hmm. This is very like pard territory, you know. Yeah. But also, like, I don't know. Like, I feel like it's a bit normative to assume that it's like the husband wolf who's doing the serial murdering. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I feel like a she beast can murder a hundred people in the rural France if she wants to. Right. Yeah. You're making a lot of assumptions, and also on top of the assumptions you're making, also killing someone's family is kind of fucked up. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Being like, I'm not going to stop with you. I'm going to find your children and kill them. <laughs> yeah. And as far as he knows, the baby wolves haven't even murdered anybody. So Right. Fucked up in several different ways. Yeah. However, then it was like, oh, the beast baby that it killed had a double set of dew claws, which is only really found in this one kind of dog. So they were like, oh, maybe the beast is like a hybrid of a wolf and a dog, but I'm like, you've just killed both of the parents, so which parent is allegedly a dog, you mm. know? There's just a lot of holes in this logic. There's, there's a lot going on there, yeah. I think maybe this guy didn't know what he was talking about. I think you might be right. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, so then anyway, this guy and his son got, like, loads of money for killing the beast. Everyone was like, woo, yeah. But then. But then. But then. Do you know what happens next, Jeremy? The killings keep going. Correct. 100%. They do. They kill a noble woman. That sucks. Uh, They also kill a nun. So, like, No respect for rich people (laughs) or holy people. Yeah. Also, at the time, there was all this stuff happening where the bishop of the area had been planning these, like, 40-hour-long prayer sessions because he believed that the beast was sent from God to punish coquettish women. So times don't change that much. Mm -hmm. So anyway, then the beast killing a nun is like, I see your 40-hour prayer. Right. And I raise you one nun. nun. (laughs) She's just um, bit on the nose. Oh, did it bite her on the Uh, nose? I mean, it did eat her face, so. Yeah, probably. Uh, So anyway, so then, you know, two years later, it's finally killed by Jean Chastel. However, at the time, France as a country was also like, hey, what if, we actually just, like, killed all the wolves, and so it was actually just doing more, like, organized bureaucratic wolf killing. Yeah, so that might have something it. to do with it. He killed a lot of wolves, huh? Yeah. Um, yeah, so then some, like, fun and sexy theories. So there's the, the theory that it's a pack of wolves. Mm-hmm. In 2001, French naturalist uh, Michel Louis said that proposed that the beast was a mastiff wool hybrid who was wearing armor made of boar hide and mm-hmm. was trained to attack people by Jean Chastel, who was actually a serial murderer. Right, so this is the the wildest and my favorite conspiracy theory is yes. these were actually serial killings carried out by a trained animal. Yes, who was wearing armor. Um, yeah, I know there are, there are a couple of different 
so all of the theories center around Jean Chastel and his son, yeah. whose name is... Where did I write this down? Oh, Antoine Chastel. Yeah. Well, trained this beast to kill. Because there's a bit where the Jean, Jean Chassel's son had a bit of a tiff with some of the import hunters right. who had him thrown in prison mm-hmm. while they were hunting. And when he was thrown in prison, there were a fewer number of attacks. And so people were like, oh, this is because they couldn't do the attacks because they were in prison. Right. Which I think sounds like slandering a dead guy in ways way worse than I have. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Um, they also talked about how, in addition to being a wolf, it could be a hyena. Yeah, yeah. So there's a hyena. That comes up quite a bit. There's a biologist called Carl Hans Tak who's thought that it was maybe an escaped young lion. Yeah, I, I also saw disputations on the lion front too for the same reason like the small jaws like mm. the mouth of the lion is too small and also someone made a very good point which is like where where does the lion come from ah yes so dr smith talks about this right mm-hmm. where one of the fun and sexy things that like rich people in france at the time was to have big menageries yep. where they would just like have loads of zoos and right. these were like very well known to happen all over the country yeah so the either the hyena or the lion could have escaped from one of these. Right. So I, I saw it said that um, there were no reports of a, of a lion having escaped from any zoos around this time. But, but, yeah, one person did have a hyena in their menagerie, and that was yeah. Antoine Chastel. Oh, I didn't know he had a menagerie. The plot, she thickens. Yeah. So, so another one of the serial killer theories is that the hyena that was in Antoine Chastel's menagerie mm private zoo, was trained to be a killer hyena. And they were actually just going around murdering people with a hyena for fun or profit. <laughs> Unclear. Yeah. Oh. Hmm. I did see one conspiracy theory that they were working under, like, a, a count. Okay. Yeah. Who, this 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 is something I picked up from the Monster X episode that I watched. Yeah. There was a theory that there was a count who was, like, employing them to do this. Uh, wasn't really clear on the details of this plot or in what sense it made any sense. But uh, Yeah, like, is there a motivation or is he just, like, a really yeah, murdery Yeah, I think count? vaguely the, the plot was somehow that this would overthrow Louis XV and that this count could take control and huh. be powerful. Okay. But it's not really clear to me exactly how that's supposed to work. Yeah, I mean, there was this thing where apparently, I mean, the monarchy was not going great for him. And True. people made fun of him for being a hunter king because like, he spent all of his time hunting and not being good at being a monarch. Mm-hmm. I don't know, so maybe it was like, oh, we'll make him look like a really bad hunter, which this did, but also that seems like very, like, house of cards for a period that, like, you know, yeah, was the 18th century. Right, and if you're going to come up with a plot, I don't understand how you get from let's overthrow the king to let's train this hyena to murder people. Yeah, it it feels dubious, and I don't think I agree with it or like it. Uh huh. I mean, <laughs> I love it as like a story. Yeah, I would love to read the book, which explains, or I'd love to see anything 
that shows the story of them coming up with a plot to train a killer hyena to overthrow a king. I mean, I'd, I'd, I would watch that. Yeah, I would 100% yeah. watch that. Especially if it was like full prestige TV, like high production values. Like um, new Netflix special, like... Ah, no, I'm thinking like HBO. Oh, well, I was thinking, but you know how Netflix is doing like The King now, you know, with Timothy Chalamet? Like that level? Yeah, I don't know. It's still Netflix, though. That's true. But, you know, I see what you're saying. Like, that level of, I'd be into it. I mean, there was a French film about this whole incident, which I think had very high production values, one of like, the best-rated films ever in French history. Oh, um, I should watch that. That sounds great. Yeah. I thought about it, and I was like, mm, I don't really want to watch a film that has uh, reading involved because, um, you know, I just I do a lot of reading, and I don't want to do that for fun. Mm-hmm. That's fair. <laughs> you know, I get home from researching all day and I'm like, it's dumb bitch hours now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know that feeling well. <laughs> yep. Uh, but anyway, yes, this film, it's from 2001. It's called Le Pac de Lou, which means Brotherhood of the Wolf. And it is one of the greatest blockbusters in French cinematic history. Amazing. Does it actually involve yeah. them coming up with a plot to train a hyena to kill people or is it more political? I honestly have no idea. That's all the information I have for you. Okay. So you can watch Great. it. You can report back next episode. Uh, I won't do that, but instead I just choose to believe that it is a very high production <laughs> value version of like fucking Underworld or something. Perfect. Yeah. I'm into it. Now, there was this article that I read from that was the one by Carl House. Take, who's the biologist, mm-hmm. from the National Geographic website. And it was called Solving the Mystery of the 18th Century Killer, the Beast of uh, Jovedon, mm-hmm. right? And so one of his arguments for why it's not a wolf is because there is somebody else who had sort of tracked the history of wolf killings in Europe, and that during the period of the beast, uh, attacks were uh, adults were attacked 16 times more than in other periods. Right. So massive outlier. And then he is saying that average prey size normally increases with predator size. Right. Which means that the beast would have to be much bigger than a wolf. Mm-hmm. And he said there probably were some also just like normal wolf attacks happening at the same time. Yep. Then he says... Okay, there's this quote. He says, The reports of the eyewitnesses provide details about the beast that cannot have been invented because they add up to a cohesive picture. And it's like, have you spoken to people before? Like, one of the interesting things about the beast is that it got so popular because every single newspaper was reporting on it all the freaking time. Mm. And you think that people, like, weren't aware of the other reports and couldn't, like, come up with similar... Like descriptions, and also this isn't like oh, all of these sightings happened in like a night, or you know, like we see this in other cryptids we looked at where they're like oh, someone could have read the news reports, except that like they happened too close to each other for other people seeing the news reports. Right, We're right. talking like three years, you know, yeah. people have seen what other people have said, and also have been gossiping after church, mm-hmm. you know, yep. um, like and also where did these reports come from? Like you know, this isn't we're talking about poor peasants. And then they can't write. The people who are doing the writing are the people that the monarch has sent and are probably kind of worried about losing their jobs and getting punished. Mm-hmm. And so it would 
then also make sense for them to be like, yes, we definitely saw the beast again. We are doing a good job. Please don't fire and or kill us. Uh (laughs) The beast looks the same as it always does because it is here where we're working. Uh You know, it just, I feel like this guy's putting a lot of, a lot of faith in um, descriptions that happened like 300 years ago. Yeah. Also, he thinks that it's a lion, like a a young lion. Uh, I want to know where the lion went. And also where the lion came from. Yeah. Two important questions. Exactly. And then also, so he's also saying that people would have known what adult lions looked like from knights painting them on their shields, but like they wouldn't have known what young ones look like. However, then he dropped this, where he says in 1765, one of the guys who had too many names, namely Jean-Baptiste Bourgeur Duhamel, who was running the army group uh-huh. that was sent, right? He wrote, uh, the animal is a monster whose father is a lion. It remains open what the mother is. <sighs> you picking up what I'm putting down? That, that it's some kind of hybrid? Are you putting down something more specific than that? Yes. Lion. We have a previous friend who is part lion. <gasps> oh, shit. Yes. Oh, my God. It all comes the, together. The beast is a pard. Yeah. But for some reason, it's not horny anymore. Yeah. Now it's well, murderous. Well, it moved to France and stopped being horny, I guess. I don't know. When it's going through a dark time. Well, maybe it's be- it's the unhealthy funneling of its horny energy. Yeah, right. Violence. This is this is an incel pod. Exactly. I was just thinking that, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's just an incel pod. <laughs> we have cracked it. That's it. Yeah, we solved it. You're welcome. I can't, I can't believe everybody. 300 years of speculation and we figured it out. <laughs> um, <sighs> yeah, so I guess everybody else who ever wants to write on the topic uh, can go home because... Uh, you know, yeah, I'm right. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, <laughs> Man. Anyway, I w- uh, that's I it. would like to hear more about this program you watched. Please. Oh my god, it's incredible! So there's no Monster Quest, as far as I know, uh-huh. on the uh, on the uh, Beast of uh, Shevardhan. Well, but I feel like there's too many history facts for this to make it a viable, you know, Monster Quest episode. Yeah. Right. 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 It's not. Yeah. There's no. They can't go out and do a hunt for the the beast because it was from several hundred years ago. Although they do spend a lot of time doing stuff like that. They like for some reason go they do some weird stuff with wolves. Um in that it's not Okay. All right. Uh, one second. Whew. Okay, I'm back. We're good. All right. None of that, please. <laughs> you started it. No, I, hmm. you said it. <sighs> Fine, um, but but basically, uh, right? So they they talk a lot about whether they spent a good chunk of the show talking about whether or not they could have been wolves. And one of the mm-hmm. things they do is like go see a shepherd, like now in the present day who has a bunch of sheep and is complaining about wolves killing the sheep. And they do some strange stuff with, like, they, the shepherd is, like, complaining about conservation laws and about how he's not able to kill these wolves because they're killing his mm. sheep. And he's, like, so, like, the, the guy who's interviewing him is, like, do you want those regulations to be lifted so you can start killing these wolves again so they're not eating your sheep? And he's, like, yes, 
I want the I want to end wolf conservation so I can do wolf murdering. And it kind of goes way off from they're not really talking about the beast anymore. And when did this program come out? Like within the last ten years, I think. Okay. Uh, it's relatively recent, but uh, but yeah, it it is. It's really, really. He's like they're like lead, asking him really leading questions where they're like, "Do you think that these wolves could turn into a modern day beast of Gévaudan? And he's like, "Yes, I think that." Uh, like I worry that they will come in at night and kill me, and I always have a weapon with me. Uh, but I'm worried because they could come in and kill my children as well, and my children don't have weapons. And it's like, what? Is, what is this? Like, they're they're trying to like tie it into the present day, uh, mm. and like talking about whether wolves could be a beast these days. And I, I just don't really get where that comes from. Also, one thing is they interview this guy in French. And they interview a lot of people in French, and then they have voiceover translation. But the voiceover translation is, like, I think American or possibly Australian people doing wild as shit fake French accents. Incredible. Uh, and it is just the worst. It is great. But there's some kind of secret wolf agenda going on with this show, and I can't figure out what it is. But basically, they spend ages on this wolf stuff, and then they're like, ah, but it couldn't have been wolves, because wolves are too small. Huh. Yeah, it's it's bizarre. I should talk about who's on the show. So they have like two researchers who are actually traveling around France called Natalie Schmidt and Daniel Searle. Um, they're both like researchers and conservationists. Um, she is fine. Okay. Uh, like she's kind of a bit nothing, not much presence, but like basically fine. He, Daniel, is just like a black hole for charisma. He just kind of stands in front of the camera and and talks like this as if he's clearly speaking from a script and just has absolutely no presence whatsoever. There's one point where they're driving into the Alps and they obviously have just done this really obviously staged conversation where he's like, wow, the Alps, they're so beautiful. And she's like, yes, so beautiful. Wow. And it's clearly the most forced fake thing in the world. How did they get this job? I feel like for that kind of program, like you're watching it for the personality. Well, you're not there for the dope facts. Well, the reason they can get away with this yeah. is because the narrator doesn't have a name. Um, okay. Like in the show, it's an actor, Australian actor called Bill Kerr. He's bald, he has a little gray beard, and uh, he just like... <sighs> His voice is incredible, and he is just, like, on a scenery-only diet. He is just, like, (laughs) chewing it the fuck up. It is incredible. And he has, like, so much personality, and he is just fucking going for it. Like, there's a point where he, like, is saying something, and he takes off his glasses halfway through and keeps going. And it is just amazing. (laughs) Everyone should check out Monster X just for this guy. Okay. Um, There are so many good lines in it, but... uh, it opens with, uh, he's like, there are more things in heaven and earth, and you're about to see one of them. <laughs> Which is just the fucking best line in that it makes no sense. It makes zero uh, sense at all. Uh, it's so good. Uh, and the reason they can get away with being charisma black holes and like have no personality is because this one guy just has so much presence that he can carry the whole thing on his own. Which which way around do you think that these people were hired? Like, do you think that they hired the narrator and were like, 
shit, it's too much personality. Get some like pieces of Wonder Bread in here mm. only. Or do you think they hired the Wonder Bread and then were like, oh no, quick, just open casting for the craziest motherfucker you can find? Uh, I don't know. Uh, I couldn't say which way around it was, but I don't think they could have found this guy through open casting. I, I think I think they must have found him and been like, uh, this is it. Mm-hmm. We need to give this guy a show so he can shine. Mm-hmm. That makes sense to me. Yeah, but yeah, Monster X is great. The narrator is just <laughs> incredible. Um, I might see if I can drop a bit of narration from him. into. In fact, do you want to... Do, we can ask Ben to do it now. We certainly can. Um, hey, Ben. Drop in some uh, some audio, maybe. Welcome to Animal X, and a horror story from days gone by. In 18th century France, during a three-year period, almost 300 people were killed and eaten by a creature with a terrifying appetite for human flesh. What it was remains a mystery to this day. It's it's so good. There are a few other other bits and pieces in the show. Like they talk about hyenas as well. Um, they they kind of disprove the hyena thing mm. by saying that the only hyena that would be big enough would be a spotted hyena. But no one describes the beast as having spots, so yeah. they kind of uh, push back on that a bit. And then the, they also go into this wild serial killer theory about Antoine Chastel training the beast to kill. Which also is referenced in Lauren Coleman's book, I think. Um, yeah, um, Dr. Doctor Smith only talks about it at the very, very end of his book. Right. Um, because, yeah. Right. Because his whole point is that all of the theories of the Beast have, like, changed as what's, like, hot and sexy at the time in society has changed. Yeah, so uh, this book talks about how Chastel sends the putrefying remains of the beast after he claims to have killed it back to Versailles. But yeah, I think, I think not sure if this is a different story to the wolf that you were talking about earlier, if, if it's it is, the same one. It is, they send one. two different Okay, like, it's a different one. But yeah, back, again, yeah. they say it stank so badly that the king basically, as soon as it arrived, was like, get that the fuck out of here. Because <laughs> yeah. it smells awful. Well, also the first one that they sent back, it was like, oh, look, the monarchy is so great. We sent these hunters and they did their job. Everybody come look at it. We did it. Mm-hmm. We're amazing. Don't guillotine us in a couple of years. And then like when Jean Chastel like, killed it and sent it, the monarchy was like, no, we already did this. Shh, shh. We were really good. You don't. We're great at our jobs. Don't tell anybody. Right. Um, yeah. yeah, and so those remains were buried in an unknown location and haven't been recovered. So, um, Ooh, right. mystery. Time to go just digging up the land, grounds of Versailles, willy-nilly, who's with me. Can't stop all of us. In the late 90s, a uh, taxidermist at the National Museum of Natural History in Paris, Franz Julien, found a stuffed specimen that he thought was similar to the Beast of Gévaudan, and it had been kept in the collections. Hmm. And that had been identified as a striped hyena. Interesting. So this is this is where it mentions that Antoine Chastel had a hyena in his menagerie. And uh, the last sentence in, in this cryptozoology book is wild as hell, which is, while Julien's discovery must be congratulated, questions remain about the role of the Chastels as creators of a false story involving an escaped hyena in order to cover the rumors of one of the Chastels being a serial killer. Uh, That's a lot, yeah. lot to unpack there. Right, and the, the absolutely, it does not expand on this statement whatsoever. 
but but this seems to imply not just that that maybe one of the Shastels was a serial killer who used the hyena as like their weapon of choice, mm-hmm. um, but that the whole concept of the beast was invented to cover up someone being a serial killer. Yeah, I don't think I buy that. Yeah. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Everyone. Um, yeah, I think, I don't know, because one of the things that, yeah, Dr. Smith points out is that, like, the the Beast stories sort of fell out of popularity for a bit. And then there was a period where, like, everyone believed that it was just superstitious, you know, peasant folk who didn't know things about the world and they said so they hyster- they like mixed their hysteria with local folklore mm. and created the idea of the beast but that was like the the popular thing of the period where reviving french folklore was really really big right and then it went into this thing of like oh it was a bunch of wolves but a lot of that comes out at the period in which there's this like big debate about reintroducing wolves into France. Yeah. And then you get this like serial killer theory happening, you know, more or less in the modern day, which is like the height of popularity for true crime. Mm-hmm. So like, oh, of course that's what the new theory is because everybody's into true crime. Yeah. Who among us has not listened to a true crime podcast? None of us. Well, all of us? Mm. We've all watched Cold Case Files. That's true. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, anyway, so the point is that I I'm not really into the serial killer theory. That's fair enough. I'm totally here for it being a werewolf though. Yep. I think that's probably ultimately what it is. Yeah, I think it's a, a werewolf that got a lot of good press. Mhm. Cuz uh you know, newspapers were really into these stories and stuff. Yeah. Uh probably the other werewolves were really mad about it. You know, much in the way that non-Dracula vampires are mad at Dracula for getting famous because it alerted the general populace to of, of how to kill vampires. Yeah, the Beast of Jovodan becoming famous alerted just the everyday person to the fact that they can be killed by silver bullets. Yeah, that's um, not good. That's not good for the brand. Yeah, yeah. A couple other things. I did look up to see. Like, if there was a particular reason why it was, like, a, a, a bullet made out of silver that had been a coin of the Virgin Mary. So I looked up to see if there were any bits of the Bible that talked about Mary and wolves. The answer's no. Uh, there's no connection there at all. So, Great. Did you read the whole Bible? I'm obviously, yeah. Uh, no, I just looked it up on the Bible search tool on the internet. Okay. There's lots of websites that just do it. Also, there's a couple web pages that just have all of the Bible quotes to do with wolves. That's pretty good. Yeah. Um, I guess you could just then, do a control F, Mary wolf. <laughs> yeah. Also, then I like texted some friends who know things better than I do about the Bible and were like, hey, is this a thing? And they were like, nah. And I was like, I trust you. Mm-hmm. Um, Neat. The other thing I wanted to point out was that there is this message in um, Dr. Smith's book, right, where he's talking about the theatrical version of the story of the Beast of uh, Jevedon that was uh, done in 1809. Mm. But in this story, it was like it was turned into like a really, really wild story where the animal had been smuggled into France by an African. Uh, it's a bit racist as well. Yeah. Um, however, what I wanted to point out was that in it, the the person that kills the beast, the character's name is Prince Gaston. Ooh. 
And I was like, where have I heard of another uh, attempted beast killer called Gaston? This is how Disney manages to tie in even old folk stories into into their whole media empire. Great. Yeah. So, Thanks, Disney. Uh, yeah, anyways, just a, a fun connection. I didn't look up to see if that was actually where they pulled the connection from because I didn't want that sort of material clogging up my browser history and impacting my future searches. Mm-hmm. You know how it is. I do. You got to be judicious about what you search. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sorry, I just... You made yourself um, laugh there. Well, I just sort of flash back to all the other normal bullshit that I Google uh-huh. and was like, who am I who am I kidding? Have you heard of private browsing? Uh yeah. Um but like am I gonna go to that effort for Googling Disney stuff? I feel like that's more suspicious. Okay, fair enough. I feel like I feel like that's this how is I very, end this up is with like getting very convoluted. <laughs> Yeah, I've got nothing else to say here. I feel like I've uh, I lost my mind. We're an hour in, and I've gone crazy. Okay, all right. Shall we move on? Yeah. Shall we? Shall we start to wrap up? I think we should. I was gonna say we don't have any questions from the class this episode because we forgot to post online that we were doing it. So. Yep. So that's it. That that makes our life so much easier. Uh, <laughs> yep. Good job, us. Yep. Um, where would you classify the scripted? I would say not a cryptid. Go on. Uh, yeah, that's it. That's all I got. Okay. Where, where's my list? Where, where would you? No, that's fine. It? We can leave it there. Not encrypted. <laughs> Job done. Uh, yeah, because I feel like, um, uh, I don't know, because it's not like, is this? Oh, we've seen this creature. You know, is it a real creature? It's like. Hey, something happened, and we just don't know who did it. Right, sure. Also, this on our list of George Eberhardt's classifications in the list of specifically not cryptids, uh, escaped exotic pets are not cryptids. Right, but are we settling on escaped exotic? Well, but that's what I'm saying. So the the big theories are that it's like a bunch of wolves, right, or like an escaped something. Or a werewolf. Well, if it's a lion, then it is a cryptid, right? Yeah, but if it's escaped from a menagerie... Ah, true, true, true. Then it's not a cryptid. And then also, just a bunch of wolves is not a cryptid. It's just a bunch of wolves. And bizarre humans is also not a cryptid, which would be a werewolf. You're right. No matter which way we cut this, not a cryptid. You're right. (laughs) Well, there we go. Another one cracked. Yep. Uh, But then, importantly, the biggest question... Oh, we do have questions, actually, right under the wire. Ah, from whom? Uh, Lydia Kuglich, mm-hmm. um, uh, who is a star among all of us, uh, has several questions. Okay. What is the beast's favorite color? Uh, I'm going to go with the red of blood. I was going to say red, but for blood and also revolution. But but the, I don't think the, the beast is a revolutionary. The beast is killing peasants. Yeah, but to sow the anything, discord the against is, the king. Uh, no, if if the beast <laughs> were a true revolutionary, it would be killing the, the aristocracy. That's true, but maybe... It would quite literally be eating the rich. That's true, but also the, the f- national anthem of France does specifically speak of blood being spilled across the French countryside, so... 
But definitely red is the point. Yeah, it's red. Okay, so it says, do you think the beast has people eyesight or only like a dog slash beast color spectrum eyesight? Hmm. Can dogs see red? I don't think they can. What colors can this wolves see? This one can. Okay, yeah. Uh, what colors can wolves see? Oh, it says they only have uh, red and blue photoreceptors. So they probably can see red. Okay. I think that's what that means. All right. Uh, next question. What is the beast's favorite flower? That's the last question. Oh. I, I think the beast, if the beast is an incel, then it doesn't appreciate flowers. Oh, true. Uh, I'm going to say a daffodil. Okay. No, I stand by my answer. Because they're nice. No, I, I yeah, I I feel like the beast thinks that uh, thinks that flowers are for cucks and baiters. <laughs> Fair. Okay, I think that's it. We're we're yes, we've told you everything you need our, to know about the beast. We've reached the end of our magical voyage, which is that between sixty and two hundred people were attacked by something that was maybe a wolf or many wolves. Or a different creature who was not a wolf. Or a lion or a serial killer. And that all of the people dying was a sign of the incoming French Revolution. Yep. And uh, was also majorly hyped up by newspapers and, uh, you know, other religious and political tensions happening. And it's a good story. It is a good story. And also, French nobility had too many names. Yeah, it's true. Maybe... Call it a bit on the names. Speaking of names, my name <laughs> is... Perfect segue! Pew, 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 pew. Perfect. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now you have to actually tell them your name, sorry. Okay. For interrupting. All right. <laughs> my name is Jeremy Hughes. You can find me on Twitter at KnifeWitch. You can find the show at Cryptid Zone or Facebook.com slash Cryptid Zone. Uh, our URL for the time being is cryptidzone.podbean.com if you want to find that there also on Apple Podcasts and all the other places if you're listening to this you already know where to find the podcast because you're listening to it um, so it's maybe uh, pointless for me to tell you Lois where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at sapitslois which is S-U-P-I-T-S-L-O-I-S that's where I live on the internet and you can also follow our editor Ben at Low Cinnabar, which is L-O-W underscore C-I-N-N-A-B-A-R Ben, thanks for editing you're great yeah now, now we get to do the final bit mm-hmm. would you date the beast? Uh, no I don't fuck with incels <laughs> yeah yeah uh, I agree also I think I would date a werewolf generally but I wouldn't date many wolves Interesting. Let's unpack that. (laughs) Uh, No, we've run out of time. Sorry. (laughs) I'm not going to forget about this. Um, I know you won't, and I uh, look forward to you making me suffer through having to answer that in the future. Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) Thank you for listening. Thanks for listening. We hope you have a really great and lovely day. Uh, You're wonderful. We love you. We do. Farewell. Bye.